my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I am overjoyed to be with you on this beautiful day, and I hope that you are feeling loved and supported wherever you are and that you are taking care of yourself. And today's episode is for sure going to be about the importance of taking care of yourself. So there are three intimacy disorders that we talk about here are three versions of the same intimacy disorder and just how they present. And many people ask, can I be more than one? And absolutely you can. Uh, we really just pivot how we show up depending on who's around, including how we're feeling about ourselves. But when I talk about these intimacy disorders, I'm talking about the symptoms and way in the ways that they show up. But today's episode is going to be talking about the solution, how to get to the solution of one of them. And so I've already done a recap episode for the five-step roadmap on how to heal from love addiction. The three intimacy disorders that I teach about on this podcast are love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation and the trauma that causes it. I am a trauma specialist. I um, am a trained therapist and I teach you tips and tools and resources and support to help you heal from that trauma, but also as a coach, teach you skills and mechanisms to work towards a solution. And so, um, like I said, I've already done an episode recapping our five-step roadmap to heal from love addiction. And today we're talking about love deprivation and the direction that we want to go from being love deprived is to being love nourished. We're going to talk a little bit more about love deprivation looks like, but in short, it's for those of us who put ourselves last, who deny ourselves, who feel this internal ache, maybe some self-loathing, maybe a fear of being seen, a fear, fear of being supported. Um, we deeply want to be rescued from this and to not feel this pain anymore. But we also have this deep, deep seated fear that there's not anything better that's available for us, that we're always going to continue to get passed over, looked over, um, that no matter what we do is not going to work again, because of our worth, like we're not good enough in whatever area that our trauma hits. And so we will self-medicate by going inward. Um, and creating this very insular bubble that no one can penetrate. And the difference between someone who struggles with love deprivation and love avoidance is it's still avoidant behavior, but someone who struggles with love avoidance, which we'll do later on, um, someone who struggles with love avoidance for the most part 
is highly functional in many areas of their life. Um, they can even present as being really confident. And the fact that they are being avoidant is because they're trying to protect their peace and protect, uh, you know, um, their areas and, and live in their boundaries. While someone who struggles with love deprivation, they are very protective and insular because they are self-rejecting before you can reject them. They are abandoning themselves before you can reject them. And again, you don't have to live in this parts or live in this place forever to find today's episode helpful. This may not be the main way that you present, but if what I've said so far has is piqued your interest, then this episode is for you. And if you're not sure yet, then let's learn together. So that's it. Let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is, I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning, and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So like I said, I'm pulling this from our five-step roadmap, which is a freebie download that you can get that talks about the roadmap for love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. And I have updated it. I've had this as one of my main free resources for maybe four or five years now, probably longer, no longer. Oh my God. Oh my God. Six, seven years. Oh my goodness. So I've updated it, you know, throughout my time working and creating Black Girls Heal and serving hundreds of women um, through direct client work, thousands of women through the podcast and well, thousands of women through our smaller programs. And then, you know, all of y'all, <laughs> more than that, through the podcast, I have learned from all of you. And I've learned from my clients and what makes them most successful. I've streamlined what this process looks like. And so I'll put that in the roadmap for you. And so again, if you've already downloaded before, you can go ahead and download it again. Um, download the updated version by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash roadmap, and you will get that, um, get access to that. So um, with that said, today I'm only going to go over the first three of the five steps just because of time. And I want to make sure that I have enough time to talk about 
about each of the points. Uh, you may have heard me say in previous podcast episodes, actually last week, that I've tried to record this episode multiple times. And so, um, or I have recorded this podcast episode, this topic multiple times. So we're going to focus on the first three and I'm um, just go really deep into those and we'll use those as our springboard. Okay. So like I said, love deprivation is one of the three intimacy disorders that I teach about here. So love deprivation is compulsive avoidance and uh, the compulsive avoidance of giving and receiving social, sexual, or emotional nourishment. I'm going to say that again. It is when you compulsively avoid giving to other people or receiving social nourishment, sexual nourishment, and emotional nourishment. It is also you living in deprivation from taking care of yourself um, physically as well sometimes. So sometimes that can mean um, whether or not you appear or look dis disheveled, um, that you say things that you don't really care about your appearance or your low maintenance, quote unquote, but it's really a really um, fancy way of practicing self-denial and self-neglect. Uh, so it can be in that way. It could be um, how you keep your environment, if you maintain it at all. So not just in cleanliness or hoarding or something like that, which can absolutely be a part of it, but even more so in, in does your environment reflect joy? Does it reflect you feeling good about yourself? Uh, how how intentional are you about bringing joy and nourishment into all these areas of your life? Or do you wait um, for other people to give it to you? Or do you even push it away when it is available to you? So someone who struggles with love deprivation, they desperately crave love, but at the same time, they fear intimacy. They may have a very true social phobia or be so fragile emotionally that the risk of rejection or criticism is far more frightening than being isolated. So, you know, you can be listening to this podcast and getting um, so much support, encouragement, and affirmation, and that's really great. But um, if I ever give you a challenge or give you a next step to do, you will psych yourself out of it or you won't do it or you'll get just far enough in your comfort zone before you even push forward. And that is because that fear of being rejected or criticized or being seen is so much more powerful and palpable and, and tangible and fearful than being alone. And you may not wanna be alone or isolated or feel bad about yourself, but it's more comfortable than, than the alternative. And in your mind, there's only one alternative. The only alternative that's available is failure, is pain, is just um, um, deep abandonment. The possibility that, that it can work out for you is far-fetched because it hasn't been your experience and you wouldn't even know what to do with it if it did happen, right? And so when we struggle with love deprivation, it really is kind of the, the monster that's eating its own tail or the snake that's eating its own tail. You, it, it continues to feed itself. So when you struggle with love deprivation, you're isolating yourself and you're pulling yourself away from people and things that can possibly help you and make you feel good and make you um, and help you find pleasure. You are doing it because one, it's safer, right? You don't have to risk the rejection. 
a lot of times I see clients who are doing this because they're trying to psych themselves up, actually. They're like, well, I'm going to go and focus on myself. I'm going to love myself a little bit and heal all these things, and then when I'm ready, I'll come out. But really, that's not what happens because the, the fear and the self-rejection that you have is so deep and intimate and intertwined with so many different things that the more you feed this belief that you have to be alone and isolated, the bigger it gets, right? You don't, you're not actually feeding yourself alternative information to let you know that you can put your foot in the water and the water's fine, right? That, that there's not a big sea monster that's about to pull your foot and drag you into the water. Um, no matter how much you think about it, no matter how much you analyze it until you actually experience it, you're not going to believe that that's actually possible for you. So there's that. And then also when I teach about love, um, deprivation i'm going to start having open houses again y'all uh for those of y'all who have been here for a while i know i say that a lot but it's my disclaimer just because i want y'all to know that um i see and appreciate those of you who've been with me for years um and you know seeing so many names so so often over um again over the years it's um it's it's really great and so sometimes I get to know some of y'all and sometimes I don't, um, but I just see your name very often. So I just, that's my shout out um, that I am, I'm acknowledging you. But what I was about to say is um, before my sickness really took over and I had to, you know, close down my, um, the live portion of the recovery school. The recovery school has always stayed open. I've always been available in the community and otherwise, but as far as my um, live coaching calls that I would have with students, that part ended at the end of last year. Um, but now I am better and I'm back and um, we are hitting the ground running. But one of the things I'm going to bring back is our open houses. So the open houses are when I go over what does it look like to work with me? What does it look like to work in the recovery school? Is it actually the right fit? Is it actually what you need? And I think that's something that um, a lot of people have questions about. So I'm gonna bring that back. And when I, whenever I do the open houses, one of the things that I really go in depth of is these topics, but I also talk about the archetypes because I want you to know whether or not this is you, whether or not this program can actually help you, even whether or not this is just something cool to listen to or if it's something that can actually help you overcome your problems and not just another, you know, false promise or something that you'll invest in and then go ghost or change your mind or whatever. And so one of the archetypes for love deprivation that I talk about at the open house is uh, the binger. So love deprivation comes from the term or I, I, adjusted the term, adjusted it from the term love anorexia. So if you are in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous or have heard of Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, which is a free 12-step program um, for people who struggle with love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation, it varies from city to city depending on how many meetings are there, whether or not it's co-ed or not. Of course, the makeup of the people who are in the rooms, the level of, of um of sobriety that's in the room of people who are, um, who've actually worked the program and had success or those who are newbies. And then also, like I said, the variety of the meetings. So here in Houston, um, and I haven't checked in in a long time, but I remember when I stopped going to meetings years ago, uh, they had just started having a separate meeting just for love anorexics. 
Um, I don't think that they had meaningful love avoidance at that time. Maybe so, but for sure for love anorexics. And I got feedback from someone who um, struggled with the eating disorder. And so she found the, the term pretty um, triggering. And so I was like, well, I'm going to just change the term anyways to love deprivation. And what it looks like when you are um, struggling with binging under love deprivation, there is this, um, and I do need to use the, the, the terminology from um, eating disorder. So this is a trigger warning for anyone who may struggle with that. But um, there is this binge purge cycle that happens when it comes to how you nourish yourself. So for example, say you struggle with love deprivation because of intense shame and self-loathing and self-rejection and feeling like you're not good enough. And one of the areas that you restrict yourself in is emotional sexual nourishment from, um, from romantic partners. Right. And so you spend you, what that looks like, what one way that could look like is that you build a whole life that is just based on you and based on what makes you feel good. Um, but a lot of times you're not actually making yourself feel good. It's just you spending a whole lot of time alone and doing a lot of things that's like kind of like numbing out. So, you know, watching a lot of TV, doing a whole lot of work, um, maybe you do some journaling, but whether or not your life is like big and bright and vibrant, that is lacking. So that's the difference before I go any further. That's the difference between one of the differences between those who are living a very active and open life on their own. And active does not mean that you need to be outside climbing mountains, you know, that's not outside. It's not everybody's thing, but that you are actively doing things that make you laugh, that bring you pleasure, that bring you joy, that, that you are coming, that you are doing things that are actually hitting all of the corners of your life, um, openly and that you're inviting other people in, right? Those who live with love deprivation, the shame is not just in romantic partnerships. The shame is all relationships is um, not really knowing how to trust yourself in all these places. And so it's, it's, it's taking the concept of betting on yourself, but you're not actually betting on yourself because betting yourself requires confidence. It requires this internal self-belief, knowing that you're worthy, that you're good enough, that you can do all these things. But really it's more like, you know what? I don't really know what's going on with these other people. I can't really trust all those things. All I got is me. So I'm going to go and I wish you could see my hands, but it's like, I'm going to go inward. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to sit in my little internal box. I'm going to sit in my own little internal corner. Um, I may or may not turn on a light, but I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to live this out. And I'm just going to, you know, just wait. I'm just going to be here. Not even waiting. I'm just going to exist. Right. It's almost like this resonate resignation inside. And when you're betting on yourself and when you're creating a big and vibrant life, there is hope there. There's optimism there. There's um, positivity there. There is inspiration there. And when you're struggling with love deprivation, that is not what that looks like for you. So going back to the example of what that can look like is you're living in this social sexual 
um, deprivation and you're just creating this life that um, you're just kind of like making it. Sometimes you are really good. You can be really good at focusing on work. Sometimes you can be really good on focusing on if you're a parent, focusing on your children um, and just making them your life and your everything. You can really focus on giving back to other people um, and making taking care of other people your lifestyle instead of taking care of yourself. Um, or again, just doing you and just living out your days, um, maybe doing something here or there, um, but not really, it's not really a part of your lifestyle. You don't have a lifestyle of joy and happiness, right? And so you're doing all that and you're saying, I don't really need relationships, I don't really need partnership, and I'm okay. And when someone is doing that, they can do that for a long period of time. Um, so long that they think, okay, I got this, I'm good. You know, I don't really need this, I'm fine. But really you have attuned yourself and you're very used to living in restriction. You're very good at going without. Um, chances are no one really gave anything to you growing up um, that you had to go without and that you were in neglect in so many areas of your life or that you watched people who um, lived in neglect and those were your models. And so you don't really know otherwise, but your body knows. You, you may not have the words for it or you may be doing everything you can to repress these needs and to live without it, but your body needs this release and needs that comfort and needs that connection and your body does not forget even though you try to make it forget so you can go a long period of time until one day something changes so sometimes the change can look like you know what i'm ready and you know i've done i've i'm tired of being alone or i'm tired of doing this by myself or i'm tired of whatever uh and then you will say okay i'm gonna go out there or you're gonna say you know what i deserve this or just what I really want to say, which is what I see often <laughs> is people say, you know what, that's it. I'm going out, you know, I'm going to go out and have a good time. So they have this extended period of time of restricting themselves, right. Um, of, of not allowing, of not giving to themselves and going without. And then that's one extreme. And then they go to the other extreme because they've never learned how to live in balance. They've never learned how to invite love and pleasure and light and fun and making mistakes and, and, and testing things out while also being grounded in your boundaries and your values and what you want. They never learned any of that. They never learned how to be in the middle. They only know how to live in the extremes. Either I'm all the way on or all the way off. So I've lived a whole lot of time being all the way off as a part of self-protection. Now, it's my turn. It's my time. It's time for me to live. And so they go out into these streets. And that's this for this example, y'all. There are many ways that people can live in love deprivation. But, you know, I specialize in sex and love addiction. So that's what I'm going to talk about here. So they go out in these streets. And they, a time is had, right? And so they are connecting. They are um, maybe hooking up. They are really out there trying to live their best life. But one, there's not really a stop switch. Two, they have never learned how to find the people who are actually available for them to experiment with or to test these things out or to get the love and connection from that they um, so desperately want because they have lived in deprivation for this all this time. And so when they do go out and, and attempt to connect or date or have sex or whoever, they are consistently picking people who cannot show up for them in the ways that they want to. And they actually end up injuring them in the ways, in all the ways of their deepest fears. 
So they get confirmation of everything that they thought was true. They get confirmation that, look, I went out and I did all this stuff and I had relationships and I had sex and I did all this stuff and it just wasn't enough. And, um, and I still feel this way. And that's because going all the way back to what love addiction is mistaking that something outside of you can actually fill you, right? That a person or relationship or a fantasy of a personal relationship is going to be the answer. So that's, that's, that's a really good way. This example is a really good way to see how all three of the intimacy disorders are so intertwined that that deep desire to be loved and think that a relationship or a connection to someone is going to fix something inside of you. Um, and abandoning yourself to, to do that, the avoidance and trying to live in isolation and push people away or push opportunities away because you're afraid of losing control. You're afraid of being hurt. Um, and then the deprivation, you know, the, the self-worth and low self self-esteem and, and ways that you may not really feel good about yourself, you know, and these are all things, you know, anytime I talk about love deprivation, which is not often enough, I always get DMs from women who are so, they feel so shamed, so seen, but they're also like ashamed that this is something that they deal with, right? Um, that they're like, you're this, this, you put it so eloquently, like what it is that I'm dealing with. And I've just been struggling for so long. And I feel like um, this is, but they, they, they usually don't say, um, how can I work through this? What they say is this is, they resonate with what I'm explaining or what I've described and this is my story. And then that's it. It's not, it's kind of like, and this is my reality. Like I've always lived in shame. I've always lived in the shadow. Um, you help me understand more about what's going on and thanks for that. And then they go out and they continue to live their, their life on their own. And it's not even about, asking to work together in a program that I mean, but it's more like they truly believe that this is their lot in life. And I want you to know my love that this is not, that one is not your lot in life and it doesn't have to be if you feel like it is, if you feel like this is something that you're actively choosing um, because of that deep fear, like you're that going back to the definition feeling so emotionally fragile that the risk of rejection or criticism or loss is far more frightening than doing it on your own. I get it. And I see you and I offer you so much tenderness and, and love as you figure this out. Um, but I just want you to know that it does not have to be your reality. And when you're struggling with love deprivation and continual, putting yourself last and self-denial. I mean, this is true about all of the intimacy disorders, but especially for love deprivation, this one, this one really truly is the baby steps. And if you're anything like me who wants things done now and wants things done yesterday and wants it all done, that can be very um, disheartening or it can make you like feel discouraged or hopeless or because you're not seeing this big overnight magical change you feel like nothing is happening but I promise you I promise you it is I mean think about it the fear that you have is so crippling so crippling 
you are going to have to train your body and teach your body how to not revert back to that fear. And that takes time and it takes practice and it takes effort. If I wanted to do strength training and I'm watching the girls who can like bench this stuff and do the power lifts and everything. And I'm like, that's, that's amazing. I want to do that. And I go into the gym and I try to lift, um, I try to lift a barbell and I can barely like lift up the bar. Then I need to adjust my expectations and understand that the woman who can do all these things that I want to do, she did that because she started. She started, first of all, and she started exactly where I was. She didn't come out having all those muscles and knowing and being able to, you know, to to press however much she's pressing. You know, she she had to grow into that. And she had some rips and some tears and she was sore um, and she had a high one week and then she plateaued and then she had to do less because she was feeling not as good and she had to learn how to trust her body and learn how to pay attention to it. And that's where you are, my dear. And it doesn't matter what age you're at in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. Um, I have met so many women who are usually older who are in this place and they are like, this has been my lot for so long. And, um, uh, this is the truth for you too. You have not run out of time. It is still possible for you to make this change. And each of the baby steps are part of what's going to create this change for you. Okay. So, um, that is the overview of love deprivation. So that binge per cycle, just to close that up, just to make sure I close that up. Well, um, people will go through long periods of time of restricting themselves. Right. And then they go out and then they binge and they try to get everything they can. And it causes a lot of chaos. It causes a lot of heartbreak. It causes a lot of problems. And they're like, you know what, forget that It's better for me to just be by myself. And so, um, they do that until they get tired of doing that. So we want to find balance. We want you to be love nourished. We want you to be at a place where you are fully connected to you feeling um, esteemed and loved and taking care of yourself, um, that you feel full, that you feel happy, that you feel joyous, that you feel free. You know, love deprivation really traps you, makes you feel trapped. It makes you feel locked down. And that is not what we want. Okay. So see, see y'all, I told you, like, look at where we are in time. So that is, Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. The overview. Now let's talk about the three steps on how to go from being love deprived to love nourished as a healed and loved woman. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. So again, the rest of these steps are in the five-step roadmap at blackgirlsheal.org slash roadmap. But let's go ahead and jump in. So the first step for you to go from being love-deprived to being love-nourished, so um, connected to that deep sense of self-worth, of joy, of optimism, of hope, of freedom, of laughter, of sexual pleasure, of, of beauty around you, of feeling comfortable in your body, um, feeling connected to yourself, being able to look in the mirror, liking what you see, taking better pictures, um, you know, just having a good time and knowing that this is your normal, right? And expecting this and then inviting people into your life and not being afraid of being seen and being loved. Um, and again, that being your normal. The first step is to identify what is your deprivation pattern. So identify the places you struggle with self-nourishment and self-care in your life. So this is kind of a catch-22 and it's kind of hard because something that I've noticed is that a lot of people who struggle with love deprivation, they don't even they don't even know what are the areas that they could be deprived in. So, you know, emotional um, deprivation or social deprivation or sexual deprivation, um, even environmental deprivation, you may have heard like different themes of that in other, in other areas and other people's life or uh, in other people's teachings or from your own healers and other things. But what exactly does that mean? You know, people who struggle with love deprivation, not only have they been living this way for so long, 
they may see other people living what either may be normal or they may, they may see other people who are attending to themselves in this areas and see it as excessive, see it as, as something that is something that they cannot ever access uh, for their own life. That is so different from them that it's too much and it can be so overwhelming. They may not even know where to start. So when you tell someone who struggles with love deprivation to love themselves, they're, it's almost as if you just put them in the middle of a field and tell them to walk. And they're like, well, which direction? Where do I go? There are no signs here. And so people who struggle with love deprivation literally need to be taught. These are the, the different areas of your life that is important for you to take care of yourself. And this is what it looks like when you're in deprivation. That's the first step. And then the second thing that you need to learn, not only the areas is like, okay, well, this is what it looks like when you're in deprivation. And this is what it looks like when you're actually attending to yourself because, um, they don't know, they don't know, you know, I I've shared before my mother, may she rest in power, rest in peace. Um, she struggled with love deprivation. And so there were a lot of things that she didn't teach me cause she didn't either. She didn't know them the, herself or she, um, neglected them or, whatever, whatever reason she never taught me. And so as an adult woman, there are a lot of things that I literally had to learn that was commonplace for a lot of other people in all different areas of my life. Um, whether or not it, it was physical self care or how to show up or how to talk or etiquette, you know, there's just so many things that I was not given. Um, and again, not because my mother did everything she could to show up for me as, as best she could. She gave me everything that she had, but that's not something that she had access to, um, for a lot of reasons and a lot of the traumas that happened to her. And so these are things that, you know, I would, when you struggle with love deprivation, you know, something is off, but you just don't know what the answer is, right? It's like, I don't think that this is how it's supposed to be or how it's supposed to feel, or I see how I'm showing up or how I'm feeling or how I'm talking and I see how they are and I want to get over there, but I don't, where's the bridge? Like how, how do I get there? You know? And so a lot of things that start with that happen with love deprivation is either self-education or finding people who can educate you. You know, so that's, that's what the love deprivation rehab is for. It's one of the smaller programs that I have. When you join the recovery school, you get to pick one of the smaller programs to be like your focus and your course, uh, or your track, so to speak. Those are like our main curriculum that helps with all of this stuff, but then you can go deeper into one of the issues and there's the love deprivation rehab, AKA the loved woman foundations program that goes through this that talks about these are all the areas and this is what it looks like when you're in deprivation this is what it looks like to go without we also do a lot of trauma work in that smaller program with like this is why you struggle with love deprivation this is where it started this is what you learned and this is how you come out of it and these are the, the things you tell yourself and these are the tools for you to have and so that is going to be my suggested ne next step as much as I would love for you all to do the recovery school I do know that my ladies who struggle with love deprivation you, you will do everything for everybody else, but you won't do nothing for yourself. 
You will um, undermine and undervalue yourself. You'll undermine your time. You'll undermine your energy. You will undermine your or undervalue your money. But you will gladly, um, when you see somebody else who's in need or struggling emotionally or not feeling good enough and not feeling um, taken care of, you will drop things. You will be on the phone with them. You will say, girl, look in the mirror. Look how amazing you are. You will be the first person to be the biggest cheerleader for everybody else, but you don't give that to yourself. And it's almost like um, for some of us who are the givers, which is another archetype for love deprivation, you almost get your sense of identity is in how good you can deny yourself about and how good you are at being a martyr. I am, I am a good person because look how much I neglect myself and, and live my life, pour my life out for other people. When meanwhile, other people, just like you are finding joy and finding other people feel good about themselves. Other people don't find joy in seeing you not take good care of yourself. You know, and a lot of times we need to understand that, that by you shining and you glowing and you feeling happy and you feeling good, it makes the other people around you feel good. You know, I've been on both sides of that coin, especially, you know, throughout my tenure of being a healer and having clients <laughs> who have like come on the other side of the chair because, because again, that self-deprivation is so so intertwined and so internalized a lot and you're so blind to it you can be you can you can be so good at seeing it in other people but with not seeing it in yourself and so I've been on the side of having clients be like girl you are sick or you are tired we can reschedule or we can do something else or whatever else you know because I did not know how to take that space and time for myself and now on this side I, what my experience is having so many clients be like, girl, you're glowing. Like, girl, like you look so happy. Like you feel, you look so good. Like you're like, and like, yeah, yeah. And it makes them feel encouraged. It makes them feel better about themselves because they see, they see a North star. They see not, not even just a way out if it's something that they're struggling with, but they just feel, I believe that they feel safer um, I feel that they feel more confident the more I take care of myself. And so if you are a giver, if you are someone who, you know, volunteers all the time for your organizations or for your church, or you're always taking care of your, your kids or your family, or you're the mom of the group and your friends and you're in self-denial and you're self-neglecting and you're abandoning yourself your people do not find any joy in you being in emotional pain, sexual pain, mental pain, um, or any type of neglect for them. They, they get no joy from that. They do not like that. If they do, they're narcissist abuser, narcissistic abusers, and they are not your friends. But chances are, if you're a giver, you probably have some very good friends and loved ones and family members around you that may be benefiting from you neglecting yourselves. But once you start to do that transformation, girl, they're going to be like, Ooh, who's this? And here's the thing about struggling with love deprivation. For those of you who struggle with being seen, that is a safe thing to happen. It is a safe thing for your, for your people to look at you and actually see you and be like, wow, that's amazing. 
do not buy into these shameful thoughts. They're like, oh, like they're probably like comparing me to what I did before. And they're like, you know, thinking less of me or pitying me or that's so embarrassing. I can't believe they saw me this way. Your friends don't live in the past. You're the one who's living in the past. Your friends are living in right now and they are so happy for you. So not only allow them to be happy for you, be happy for yourself and learn how to receive that. So again, the first step to getting out of love deprivation is to identify your deprivation patterns and the places that you struggle with in your life. And our love deprivation rehab, AKA love woman foundations program can help you with that. And you can find that on our website. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash deprivation and you will get immediate access and you can keep it forever and get access to all the updates and everything that go along with it. Um, so the second step of working through this after you figure out your pattern is to clear the toxic roots, which is what I, <laughs> what I said is also the step too. So I kind of already said that when I was talking about the program. So clearing toxic roots looks like identifying and clearing the unresolved childhood trauma wounds that have led to your unhealthy attachment styles. So even though a lot of the examples that I talked about mentioned other partnerships and relationships, you can also hear that the attachment is not only with other people, it's mostly with yourself. Where, what type of relationship do you have with yourself? And then it just, depending on what that is, that's what shows up in your relationships with others. So your relationship with yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you think about yourself, how you treat yourself, uh, literally treat yourself as far as how you take care of yourself, but also how you reward yourself, um, pleasure yourself and all that stuff is directly connected to what we were taught or not taught as children, whether or not we were, um, groomed to be martyrs and be codependent and be parentified or whether or not we were groomed to think that we weren't good enough and not worth the time or energy at all. Um, whether or not we had severe, abuse and abandonment that made it safe for us to even pick up our head unsafe for us to even pick up our head um, and look in the mirror or have any hope whatever it is that we have learned um, that is what's keeping us stuck right and that's why sometimes all the other tools that you learn as far as healthy mind mindset and affirmations and um, what you would call it uh manifesting or all that stuff, it doesn't apply. Um, even some body work exercises when it comes to imagining your higher self and all those things and trying to connect there. None of that stuff applies because the trauma and the impact of that and the impact of those stories and the impact of the shame overrides it. It, it feels very impossible to, to undo. So before we even look at, okay, this is this is your pattern. Now let's start to take care of yourself. Everything that you try to do after that is going to be sabotaged by the toxic roots, by the unhealthy thoughts, right? So you go, let's say you struggle with um, deprivation in the way of social care and social support and connecting with friends and loved ones. You can make a plan to say, okay, I'm going to reach out and call this person, but you know what's going to come up? Those thoughts that are like, they don't really want to hear from me. Or I don't really have anything that's worthwhile to say. Or, um, you know, I think they're actually mad at me because last time we talked, you know, they, they, their tone sounded different. 
and all these stories that are based on earlier things that happened in your life in your life of people who thought you were a burden, people who say you didn't really have anything to say, um, being very hypervigilant about whether or not people are happy with you, um, feeling like you need to appease them. You know, one of the fight or flight uh, responses is uh, fawn or appeasing people and trying to make other people feel good and happy with you so that they don't hurt you or leave you or reject you, you know, so. All that stuff comes up. So in your best laid plans, which is also can be a source of shame, you really want to do better. You're trying to do better. And either it doesn't take, it doesn't last. You can't do the first step. You can't get out of your head. It's because of this stuff. And trauma is deep and trauma is hard. And it's not just in your head. And you have to do the work to unlearn it. Okay. So that is the first step. Before you even start to do all this other good stuff, work on the trauma. And then the third step after you clear out this trauma and learn tools to work through it and all that stuff, then you are going to create your self-care plan. Okay. And this is where you are going to actually start to take care of yourself and figure and start to either replace the things that you are doing that are neglectful or start to introduce things that are helpful for you. So again, for my people who want it quick and fast and dirty, um, then you are going to struggle with wanting to do everything at once and seeing all the places that you may be neglecting yourself and not paying attention to yourself and wanting to do a whole 360 transformation. And as admirable as that is, you're setting yourselves up for disappointment and for failure, which is low key, a sabotage technique. It is a very, is a very clever one. And it is one of those insidious ones that you're like, how is me wanting to be ambitious me self-sabotaging well because you get your you get what you actually want to happen subconsciously which is for it to not work out your body wants you to stay safe your body wants you to stay in equilibrium and when you've been living in deprivation and self-neglect for so long what feels safe is what's familiar which is being sad which is feeling alone which is feeling not good for yourself good about yourself uh, your body knows how to deal with that. Your mind knows that very well. Your mind knows how to predict your moods and knows when you're going to cry and knows when you're going to try to distract yourself with other things and knows all the things that you're going to do. Your body can handle that. It can't handle all this new stuff, all these new habits, all these new thoughts that you're going to try to believe in yourself. No, no, no. We already know what happens when you try to believe in yourself. Disappointment, it ain't going to work out you know, whatever else, let's just remind you, let's keep you down. But by your body is not, your body doesn't see it as keeping you down. It sees it as keeping you safe. Right. And so again, you trying to create this huge, um, humongous self-care plan and changing all these things in your life, you are not going to be able to master anything. You know, that was one of the skills that I would teach folks when I was doing therapy, one of the therapy models that I'm trained in is called dialectical behavior therapy. And one of the skills, there's like a whole giant book of skills that you teach people. Uh, and dialectical behavior therapy is for those of us who struggle with symptoms of, uh, of highly high emotional dysregulation is really hard for us to be present in our bodies. It was originally designed and created for those who struggle with borderline personality disorder, um, but it's been used by 
across the board for so many issues. So you can look up books on dialectical behavior therapy and workbooks and everything. Um, but especially for those of us who struggle with complex PTSD, which can absolutely show up in our symptoms of love addiction, right? One of the skills that are, is taught is called building mastery. And it's when you take one skill and you focus on it and you build mastery with it. And that helps your confidence. It helps you know that change is actually possible. It helps you build momentum. And once you have built mastery in one area, then you adding all these other skills is that much easier, right? It's, you still have to do work and you still have to practice it, but you already know, you've already seen the evidence that this is all not for nothing, right? That you've already seen that your life can and will be impacted by you going slow and building, building your mastery in this area. And so when you're trying to do a million things at once, is that phrase that says, Jack of all trades, master of none, right? Meaning you're mediocre at best at all these little things that you kind of can do a little bit and kind of dabble in, but you don't really feel confident and doing anything, right? And you might even create more chaos if you're trying to be a jack of all trades in carpentry or electricity, elect yeah, electrical work or something like that and trying to do it on your own, but you don't really know everything that you're doing, right? So you want to be the master of your life. You want to master what it looks like to take care of yourself and to love yourself so that if and when things come that may get in the way, whether or not it is sickness or a lifestyle change or transition or changes in, in jobs or money or relationships that you know how to make sure that you are still the center. You know, for some of us, we may pick up momentum in some areas, but if one single thing changes, then we lose it, right? We, we lose our ability to, to stay on track. And so we want to make sure that we are not forgetting ourselves depending on which way the wind blows, right? That the constant is that we will always foundationally know how to love ourselves no matter what is going on. So that is super important. Okay. So that is step number three. We are almost at an hour. <laughs> so that is where I'm going to leave us for today. This is going to get you started. Like this is a lot y'all. If I did the other two, this podcast would be double the time. And I hate when the podcast is too long. So we are going to cut it off here. Uh, this again, this was a lot because we talked a lot about the trauma and what underlines it. We talked about some steps. And I know that if you struggle with love deprivation, it can be very easy to be overwhelmed. So you have a lot to go ahead and get started with the process from identifying your deprivation patterns, finding the different areas that you can be in deprivation from, finding what the opposite of that is, clearing out the trauma that comes with it, coming up with your self-care plan. What does that look like? What does it look like to baby step it and all that stuff? You have a whole lot of stuff to start you off. Um, and then you can go and continue on with getting our freebie to finish the to find out the rest of the steps when you're ready or get it now so that you don't forget. Um, that can be another form of self-sabotage, by the way, y'all. Um, procrastinating, uh, doing things that are very quick and easy for you. It, it keeps you, it keeps you in misery. 
Uh, it keeps you, it keeps you down. It keeps you without the solution. And then it gives you a handy tool to beat yourself up later saying, dang, why didn't I just download it when Sheena told me the link? Now I don't, I don't, where is it? Or, um, I've lost momentum or I don't care anymore. And it's a year that's passed. Go ahead and download it now. Just go ahead and eat the frog. If anyone remembers that book, which is basically telling you to do the things you don't want to do now um, so that you can rest. So you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash roadmap and download that roadmap. And you can just have it on your phone or your computer for when you are ready to look at it. And then if you are ready to actually work through this process, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash love deprivation, read about um, the mini course and go ahead and get started. Okay. So that is your next steps. Uh, I gave you a lot of next steps, but those are the next steps that I suggest. So that is it for now. I'm sending you all so, so, so much love and so much care and so much, so much joy. And I believe in you and you got this and just keep going. Don't, don't give up. Um, your change is right around the corner and it might actually be present and you are going to see it so soon. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.